0: Jeannie, we'd like to welcome you officially to Happy at Work. And this is our new podcast. It's all about empowering workers, bringing positivity in the workplace, how to make workers happier, more motivated. And uh, given everything you're doing at ENY, I think this is gonna be like the perfect place for you to talk about everything you're doing there. So maybe you could introduce yourself and, and we could just start talking.
1: Yeah, no, thanks Jack. I'm, I'm excited to be here today. Um, my name is Jenny Carley. As you said, I'm, my official title is um, EY America's Vice Chair of Talent, um, but um, honestly, that really encompasses a lot. Um, it is, I oversee all of the talent function and all the HR vertical for North and South America, but really what's embedded in that right now and, and is um, really front of my agenda or top of my agenda is really, you know, how we're going to work. Post-pandemic and 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 really, you know, developing our leaders um, to be successful, kind of in the in the new world post-pandemic, and really looking at what is going to you know drive, motivate, um, and really earn the trust of, of our workforce.
2: So, Jenny, I'll start us off. It's great to have you on the show and. Within EY, with all this change, are there any new opportunities that EY is seeing like, hey, we could get something really good out of all this change? Are there any opportunities that you've been spotting with all this change?
1: Well, you know, what's interesting, Michael, is that when we we are looking at the way we're going to work post-pandemic and we're calling it EY Way of Working. Um, And it's, and we've actually, it's now affectionately called EY Wow. And, um, and, you know, when we, when we started on that journey, I mean, we started pretty early Um, in May of 2020, um, our CEO challenged us as an organization to not just survive what we were in the midst of, but to really thrive from it. And think about how we might be able to really accelerate our strategic agenda around, you know, transforming the way we deliver services, transforming the way we work as teams, and so that, you know, that was sort of, you know, what got us started on this journey on EY Wow, and um, and so, you know, our philosophy at that point was, well, what are all the things that our people are missing? So, what was the best that we had pre-pandemic? And, and as we evolve and you know and get again in May, no one knew that we'd be sitting here, you know, 16 months later, <laughs> still having conversations <laughs> about the about the pandemic. But you know, what are we what are we learning in the pandemic? And take the best of both of those, harness them, and really develop the way that we want to you know show up for our clients, how we want to deliver our services. Um, So, you know, know, if I look at, you know, what happened during the pandemic, I think it showed us that everyone brings their best selves to work in a different way. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to create an environment, if you will, um, in which people have the ability to bring their best selves to work. They they feel empowered to talk about how they bring their best selves to work. And, you know, and, and we showed we can do it. We can flex to it. Um, so I would say that was probably one of the, you know, I think best things that came out, if you will, of the pandemic from just a you know a work standpoint. Um, I also think it showed us, um which you've probably seen in in our recent study, you know, the leadership behaviors that are really important to the workforce. I think it uncovered that really quickly. I think we were evolving towards it. but I think the pandemic and then certainly the social justice movement, um, re- highlighted and spotlighted that, you know, empathy, you know, making sure that we're getting to know our team members, not just leading them and inspiring them, but we're getting to know them and, um, and understanding them and showing compassion um, and not feeling like you have that, all the answers. I mean, these are leadership behaviors. Empathy is such an important leadership behavior that I think got uncovered pretty quickly um, in the, in the pandemic. That's great. Have you seen
0: a change in the mindset of people in your organization now that you've kind of gone on this
1: journey? Oh, oh, absolutely. I um, you know, when I when 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 I talk to our our people and and you know, it's very clear that they're looking for a an employer or a place of work that is focused on them holistically. And when I say that, it's personally and professionally. Um, You know, we were all about what was happening in the four walls of of an organization. And we thought we could control that before the pandemic, but there were no walls during the pandemic. And so it became very clear that the expectations of our professionals were, I wanna feel I'm cared for holistically. And I also wanna know that you care about my family because what's happening in my household is having a direct impact on me um, personally and professionally as well. Um, and, you know, and, and let's face it, our leaders were going through the, a lot of the exact same challenges that our professionals were, so they were feeling it firsthand, and I think recognizing the importance of this, this empathy um, skill that I keep referring to.
3: So I um, I love, uh, Jenny, that you're talking about empathy. This is actually um, a space I've been in for the past uh, probably eight to nine years. I used to work with a neuroscientist out at Mass General. We used to train um, doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals and uh, empathic communication uh, skills. And uh, it's usually surprising for people that they it's a muscle and they can actually learn to be empathic. And if you practice it, you can um, gain these skills. And usually the person that you're talking to Even if you can't put yourself in their shoes, which is the definition of empathy, you can at least make them feel like you do. (laughs) And and you still have the same kind of physiological impact um, and are able to build that trust. But when it comes to empathy, it's really about emotional intelligence and building that self-awareness and taking care of yourself and recognizing things like burnout, because that's when we, that's when we lack empathy is when we're burnt out ourselves and we can't Really give that energy to other people. So, what is EY doing as far as you know? You know, with this empathic leadership, you know, part of the whole kind of new well-being piece. How are you helping employees that might start feeling symptoms of burnout, or um, you know, help them to develop those skills and emotional intelligence and self-awareness so they can recognize when uh, you know their their tank is empty and they don't have a lot to give.
1: No, it's a great question, and and you know one of the things that I mean I don't want to you know I I feel like I'm uh I, I don't want to brag about what EY has done, but I will Greg, tell you we've been focused on well-being <laughs> for, for decades. I mean, you know, if I think if I look back to when I um when I was a, a staff and senior, we were already having these this, you know go to your employee assistance program. I mean now we call it EY Assist, but it's it's okay to ask for help. I mean, we were having this discussion when I was, uh, you know, a senior two decades ago. <laughs> um, but I think you know what what really he, in the here and now is, and one of the things that I look back on and think, okay, what did we do that really started to shine a light almost immediately on the importance of well-being um, at the beginning of the pandemic was that um, we pivoted quickly to what our people needed and you know i think at the beginning that was probably tangible items right it was monitors it was chairs it was like how can we get you set up quickly at home to what is it that you really need to support you and your family is it tutoring for your kids to subsidize their homeschooling is it you know some sort of support for home you know home care for a family member is it a leave of absence to give you that time that you need just to kind of sort out everything that's going on with you personally and with your family and so we, um, so and I think as that evolved, what we were doing was listening to our employees along the way. So they were telling us what they needed and we were willing to pivot to give them what they needed. We, and, and what was important to us is we didn't take away anything that we'd already offered. We were just constantly evolving, you know, our benefits. I think the other thing that's really important and where I feel like, you know, we. Where we had this kind of aha moment was realizing that well-being isn't just pro- programmatic; it's also very much about these leadership behaviors, and how do we support our leaders to be able to deliver on those behaviors? Um, and you know, some and you know, I had a conversation, uh, Tessa, the other day. So to your point about you know, it's like this, you know, it's, it, you know, we tell people to go be empathetic, but it's like you, someone doesn't just wake up one day and they're empathetic, <laughs> and. And so, you know, I've had leaders come to me and say, you know, Jenny, I, I know this is important, but I, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it. And so we start having this conversation and I start asking them questions, just how are you doing? And I just start t- having questions focused on them, providing no answers, just asking questions. And they're like, oh my gosh, like this is like been such a great conversation. I'm like, cause I just asked about you and I just listened. I go, go replicate that with each of your team members on your engagement team. That is empathy. I'm like, think about how you felt after 30 minutes of a conversation with me, just and just practice that and recognize it's not one and done. Like it is, you know, constantly having those check in points. And then, um, I think the other thing that's really important and was a turning moment, at least for me and my ability to really talk about how important this was is, you know, we talk about building trust and I started really focusing on what does it take to earn trust and earning trust you like and and, and to keep it because once you have trust, I mean, they can be taken away from you and in a heartbeat. And so, you know, I've been talking to a lot of our leaders, even our younger leaders about, Earning trust is really about that, having that understanding, having those conversations, being compassionate, but also delivering because you build those relationships and over time, a person just inherently trusts you because you've proven that you generally care and that you deliver on your promise
3: absolutely and with that trust builds loyalty as well so
1: exactly
3: very important i know michael has a question
2: so jenny i love all this and you know all the things that you're doing to to create the well-being especially when people were having all this turmoil and new needs were popping up how do you create psychological safety where people can say i can call up jenny and say and just unload on all this stuff that's not great You know, my my partner's drinking too much. I have a child that's autistic that's driving me crazy because now we're home all day. And all this stuff that's not really great to say, how do they feel safe to bring that issue to you?
1: Well, you know, I think it goes back to what I just said, you know, that earning that trust factor, right? Um, Where, you know, they have come, you know, they over time see that you are willing to have these conversations. Um, you've, you've earned this trust to the point where they can now then confide in you on something that may be very hard for them to talk about. Um, but, you know, the other thing, Michael, is we recognize not everyone is is willing to do that. They you know, there are even though I think many of uh, the workforce has really kind of moved toward this is about me holistically and my well-being needs to be thought about personally and professionally. Some are not willing to talk to their, their leaders about personal matters. So, you know, one of the things that, and as a direct result of that, we looked at, you know, what are we offering in terms of our, for our employees and their family members around having some place to go to talk. And we realized that, you know, we were only giving, we, like our services were, our benefits were five counseling sessions a year. And I'm like, is that really enough? And so we actually, we actually last year introduced that every one of our employees and every member of their household gets 25 counseling sessions a year. Oh. Um, and, and, you know, that's part of our, our benefits package. And, and it's everything from just the, um, from self-help types of activities you can do with a coach to, um, to real therapy and getting you aligned to the right type of therapist. Um, additionally, we have um, a service where it's it's called uh, Second MD. I think a lot of our employees have used it in the past for uh, second opinions on physical um, matters. Um, but it we've we've opened it up to our employees um, for mental health, if they want a second opinion, you know, if they feel like they're 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 doing all the things they were told to do, but they still, or they or their family members still not getting the treatment that they think is right, second MD is another avenue for them to go to, to get a second opinion, um, which has been unheard of in the mental health space.
2: And on that note, is there any sort of um, early detection mechanisms you're doing to detect burnout before people... Get burned out. Is there anything in place on that?
1: It's interesting you asked that question because we're just finished um, a pilot that um, because we thought, of, you know, we were thinking about this when we were doing our work around EY way of working. You know, you know, one of the things we kept hearing from our leaders is like, okay, I want to help my team's well-being, but how do I know what they need? <laughs> and, and so we actually just finished piloting a well-being index. Um, That really sort of measures around, you know, four aspects of well being physical, mental, financial and social. Um, It's experiential data. Um, It it takes experiential data, which is really just, you know, uh, you know, I guess a fancy way of saying we're surveying our employees about where they're at at different points. and then um, operational data right now, you know, what kind of operational data do we have that can really pinpoint to, you know, is there a consistent level of hours a person is working? You know, is a person not taking advantage of our disconnect days or their, their PTO? You know, is there, and then, and, you know, it kind of highlights to the leader, you know, where they're could be issued so that they can then have conversations and then it aligns to the benefits and programs that we have that can help that individual. So.
3: So one um, kind of follow-up I have to, you know, all this incredible work that you're doing internally within the organization and really focusing on your employees' engagement and well-being and the health of their family, how are you seeing this translate to the relationship you have with the EY clients? How is this, how do you see? I mean, or are you seeing a direct correlation between the, you know, well-being of your employees and the way that that correlates with customer satisfaction or your client engagement or um, any other kind of metric that you might use to to look at the ways that employees are working with their clients?
1: Yeah, so um, absolutely, you know, back to that um, well-being index we just talked, I mean, one of the data points for sure that, you know, that we look at is um, our satisfaction surveys from our clients and what they're saying. Um, So then that also um, helps us really kind of pinpoint, you know, where there might um, be, you know, issues or concerns or things that we, you know, we might want to address with um, our, you know, team members. And so... Um, that af- absolutely is a part, but I think, you know, you know, your question sort of sparked something interesting that you know, maybe isn't directly related, but it, um, you know, the conversations that we're having with our clients, I mean, when, when we are able to come and talk to them about the importance of well-being and really thinking about the importance of, an em- you know, empathetic leadership, it sparks a whole different type of conversation because they're going through this as well. Um, And then trying to figure out, you know, what, what, you know, what can they do for their employees so they can bring them their best selves. And so the conversations are much more robust. And I think it also helps us, you know, develop a re, you know, a relationship at a different level with our clients. Um, And, you know, I, I, and I, I'm also going to have to just advertise this, but, you know, we just announced um, that we're appointing a chief well-being officer and and it was really important to us that that wasn't just in title only. Um, the individual that we promoted is Frank Giampietro, and he's a partner with, a, with um, EY. And he is very deep in this work. And he works extensively with you know, our clients um, within the market around this. He's, you know, he feeds into a lot of research that's happening in this space. And so we wanted to make sure that we were really bringing you know, our very best around this discussion so that we could, you know, help our clients and continue to, you know, improve and evolve ourselves on this journey.
0: Jeannie, that has to be like a first of a kind, right? I haven't heard, is, has anyone done this before? This is kind of a unique.
1: Well, you know, I, 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 you know, I think organizations are really looking at, you know, are all looking at how they can bring, um, attention, um, how they can, you know, because, you know, what I, what we noticed at EY, and I think we, when we've talked to, to others, they're, they're feeling the same, is that we're all doing these great things, and um, they're very siloed sometimes, and it is very hard for your employees and your leaders to really understand the full breadth of what you're being able to bring, and so, you know, by, I think, really, Putting a light on it, like chief well-being officer, now we can put everything under an umbrella, and we can constantly look at the actions we're taking, and are those the best actions? Are these the best benefits? You know, um, you know. Sometimes you laugh, and you're like, you talk about, well, wouldn't it be great if we did X? And they're like, Jenny, we already do the X. <laughs> and so, so now there's this just really great way that we can then just, I think, elevate it, and our journey can, you know, we can speed up our journey, if you will. Um, that we're on with you know uh, focusing on well-being, um, you know I think and I kind of look at it you know chief well-being officers very you know almost um, I can analogize it if you will to like when we appointed our DEI leader decades ago, you know we had to show that there was a tone at the top that this was important this was at the board and leadership agenda top of their agenda, and so you needed to appoint someone who is then going to then drive it through the organization, through all of our processes. And so, you know, that's what our hope is. That I- makes
0: sense, because it shows that you're really, you're all in on it. You're not just, like a lot of companies, and just between us, and I guess all the people who are going to be watching, let's see, mm-hmm. there's a lot who say, you know, they talk the talk, but they don't really do it. So this shows, hey, we're putting our money where, my mouth, where our mouth mm-hmm. is. You're putting the yeah. person in there, and you probably have, then you'll have kind of a whole you know, group of people around that, around Frank and building up. So it shows that you're, this is something really important to your company. And I hope, you know, it's really cool. I hope from this, when we, you know, after this is all over, we edit and clean it up, and we post it, that maybe, maybe that'll inspire other companies to follow suit. Not that they'll steal your thunder, but I think that's something we want to, sh- you know, we'd like to share. We want other people, other companies to do that too, because that would be remarkable.
1: Oh, I mean, I think it'd be the best for all of us, right? You know, all organizations, if we, you know, if somehow we could find what works for that particular organization to put it under one umbrella, for sure. And
2: Jenny, if you could talk to CEOs around the world that, that are intrigued by the chief well-being officer, but they might look back and say, okay, well, well, what am I gonna get out of it? What does success look like if everything works great with that new position? What good things could, are you expecting at EY?
1: um Well, I mean, the easy answer would be to say I don't need a chief well-being officer
0: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if he works, if he does too well, Frank's out of a job. So, so that's, this is like a really all right. This is an interesting great challenge uh, to him. Okay. Yeah.
1: You know, so uh, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, we're kind of in the middle of the great resignation, as they keep talking. To me. So, I mean obviously my, my thing would be, you know, lower attrition, and have mm-hmm. higher engagement scores. Um, but, you know, I, you know, m- my vision, or my North Star, if you will, is an E, is really an EY in which everyone belongs and thrives. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes across, like, when, you know, when we, this pilot that I mentioned earlier that we did on the well-being index and you know was very informative to us and so we're going to have the index 2.0 that we're going to release internally here really quickly and it's I think about if I could look at take those scores And, you know, we see exponential improvement and we continue to see that improvement and we have leaders who actually get the importance of empathetic leadership and how important it is to engage with our people. I mean, I think it's going to be much more experiential than it will be anything else Um, and it's, you know, what our employees tell us, Um, you know, but I am. know, I don't know. I have great hope for you know what this could do um, for our employees, personally and professionally. But I really feel like it's going to be how the you know how the organization thrives as a result of you know our focus on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always say human resilience. You know, when you're in the people business, human resilience drives business resilience. so, <laughs> so let's see. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. And one, one thing I was, it got me thinking about is, you know, as we're looking to the next generation of workers coming up, so we've got Gen Z, who's, you know, heading to college and graduating in the next three to four years, they're, they're totally different. First of all, they're pandemic kids. So they've grown up in this kind of environment that's been a little bit (laughs) strange, a little bit strange to say the least. I have teenage kids, so Mm -hmm. it's it's been hard to watch, but Um, But also, they are really values focused. They um, want autonomy over their careers. They're very creative. They're very technologically savvy. So it sounds like EY is also preparing for the future in the fact that the future workforce is going to be expecting companies to care about their mental health and will provide balance and will provide these, these level of resources. And so um, I, I really commend you on, on this move. The so one question I had, it was um, given this is a chief exec type, uh, uh, you know, C-suite role, how um, how does this person, and maybe this hasn't even been worked out yet since it's just been announced, but how is this person working with the other kind of uh, senior executives across other disciplines, whether it's Finance or marketing. I mean, will he be really looking at the way different operations within EY work and and how people are working, and and look at ways to evolve and modify, and and really you know get to some of the challenges and the work conditions in these different disciplines, or how will he interact with the other disciplines?
1: Um, well, I I think as a prime example, um, right after this uh, podcast. Frank and I are presenting to um, our entire tax service line. So that's about 10,000 plus um, professionals. Um, next Tuesday, we are presenting and talking about the importance of well-being and empathetic leadership and our EY way of working and how all this ties together with our consulting practice. And so um, absolutely, this is front and center with our, our business unit leaders. Um, we you know it's already embedded in our um board priorities for the year um so there uh, we uh our board priorities around inspiring our people it's it's there deepening a culture of care um and and center to that as well being so i think um you know I, again i think it's i don't i tend not to Let's do grand announcements. I think like, let's let's walk the talk, <laughs> and you know people can feel it and see it and see results. Um, and so I think you know I'm I'm hopeful. Um, and but that was and I Tess I couldn't agree with you more because that's incredibly important for us to have that connection right away. Um, and it was and it was unanimous. The board said we need this, and so I wanted to make sure that all of our leaders across all the disciplines of the firm. We're hundred percent
2: bought in to this appointment. So, Ginny, I might, I might want to work for you now. <laughs> but at, as we wrap up, I could spend all day with, with you. I'm, I'm, you all know what? We're the same cool. you
0: Can I tell you something? Wait, I do not You're teasing. I'm back on my mind, I'll be totally honest because my son just graduated from college. I'm like, oh, should I ask Ginny or is that weird <laughs> to say it to you? it's you? Because seriously, it's, it's refreshing to hear. I think we're all of a certain age. I'm a Gen Xer. Where when we went into the workforce, no one talked about this. No one cared. They could, no one could care less whether I was, you know, happy or not happy, or I was motivated or not motivated. They just cared did I do my job? And fast forward to now, and as Tess was saying, now is a different world. But I know with my kids, they're they're Gen uh, Gen Zs. They have a completely. They want a job with purpose. They want to work for a company that champions social causes and political causes. And it's way different. So this is. This is just wild. It's kind of revolutionary if you think about it, everything that's happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and to that point, Jack, um, you know, when I think about you know, what the pandemic and what happened during the pandemic and something good that came out of it was, well, obviously the social justice movement and getting a spotlight on that and how, but the fact that corporations now are expected to lean in um, so to your point, yeah. you know, the younger generation, they want to work for an organization, they want to know what their voice is around these issues. And, and I gotta, I gotta tell you, I remember when I was their age, I mean, I'm sure you do too. It was like, okay, I maybe talked to my family about it, maybe my church, but <laughs> like, I wasn't, or, you know, or a community uh, outreach, but I never expected my employer. No, to talk about it. <laughs> um, and I mean, it is an expectation. It's like not only talk about it, but you have a you have a voice around this. You have a point of view. Um, so, I I couldn't agree with you more. And 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 you know, I think one of the um, one of the the things that helps us a little bit is that I mean, if you look at our workforce, um, about two thirds of it is under the age of thirty five. So we are wow. constantly having to stay and step or ahead of uh, you know what is expected of of the future workforce. So. Harvard
2: needs what you have. <laughs> I've been there 11 years. I've never gotten a hug. <laughs> oh,
0: oh well, yeah. I hug well, a lot. I don't know. Are you hugging your <laughs> out? Wait, wait. Is that happening in you? Why? Is that part of it? Yeah.
1: Well, I be... asked for permission, but yes, I yes. hug a lot. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> is there anything that we didn't ask you, Jeannie, that you'd like to share? That's any other, other interesting developments at EY?
1: The only thing I would would underscore, and I mean, hopefully this came out, but I, I I wouldn't mind being explicit about it is that you know when I when when I talk about empathetic leadership, when you know we when we as an organization um, do the you know our surveys that we did when we go and talk to our clients about it, this isn't just a senior leadership requirement. This isn't just saying to our senior leadership, you got to go take a bunch of trainings and figure out how to be empathetic. This is a leadership skill that the future it's not you know as we talked about before this isn't a moment in time this is a movement and we really need to get all of our leaders whether you're a senior leader you are a person managing a project um you know at a current point in time we all need to embrace that the importance of this skill um and so you know if i were to give any organization some advice you know if you look at your leadership training you know, how can you adjust that leadership training to ensure that you're um, focusing on that development of that skill set?
0: That's great. And if you don't mind, maybe what we could do, um, you know, as you mentioned about Frank taking on this new well-being,
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe three months later or so, maybe we could invite you and Frank back, and we could just talk about what he's doing, what the what, you know, what lessons are learned, how effective, because that could be really cool just to, to, to kind of lay out in real, so here's, you know, we have this person and this is what's happening, this is what's getting done, this is, you know, and I make, you mentioned kind of doing these micro, you know, surveys, what everybody is saying. And it also will be interesting to see retention rates. You know, are you keeping people more? Is this helping, is, is this making people stay and not being tempted to leave? Because as someone who's been in executive recruiting for 25 years, I know without a shadow of a doubt, If you have your core group of people that you feel comfortable with and you like, and you feel management respects you and they believe in you and they appreciate you, it's hard for me to poach somebody out because they're like, it's not worth the extra money to leave because I enjoy what I do. I have a network of people I love working with. Management respects me. They treat me like an adult, and I'm going to stay. So it'd be really interesting to see if, you know, that, and I imagine it's all going to play out that way. So it'd be cool to kind of bring it forth to people. And once again, for other, for other companies to hear it, I think it could be a movement which would be great for everyone and just improve the lives of everyone. Yeah, no, I I, yeah.
1: I, I, I w- we would love that. Um, okay, I couldn't cool. Agree with you more in terms of the importance and and how it could really change, um, you know, the, just the whole workforce and how we think about work. Um, but yeah, Frank and I would love that.
0: <laughs> That's, fantastic. That's great. Test Mike. Any any last minute. Any last minute questions? Or?
2: I I wish we I wish it was a longer show, but yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to, to meet up with you all again and uh, have a great holiday. And, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, oh, thank, well, thank you me. very
0: much, Judy. Judy, I really appreciate it. This is great.